AFC Asian Cup continues, bro, and we're seeing some incredible games today. We're going to recap match day four and match day five, and specifically talk about Group F, Group E, and some Group D games as well. Bro, what a tournament so far, oh, and yeah. a quick shout out to everybody who's been watching our content, supporting us, subscribing to us on our YouTube and everywhere else. Thank you guys so much. Learning so much more about the Asian game as well as also interacting with a lot of you guys and just seeing how you feel about your team. So it's been incredible just seeing how many of you actually appreciate our analysis. And I want to give a big thank you to all of you. And so here's what I did for every single game that we're going to recap today. I wrote a newspaper type headline oh. for every single match. Okay. And the first match we're going to talk about is the Saudi Arabia game. And the newspaper headline for this one is Saudi Arabia defeats their omens. <laughs> okay, I like yeah, you that. See what I'm trying to do here? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Clever, clever. And they defeated their omens through a crazy, crazy 2 1 comeback that saw some insane refereeing controversy, but also some crazy goals as well. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this game? This was a game of tight, tight margins, completely exemplified by the start of this match. Oman actually kind of went at Saudi Arabia a little bit in those first 10, 15 minutes. Garnered some possession, but Saudi Arabia also too showed that they were going to attack Oman. Both teams were kind of canceling each other out, but what broke that early deadlock was a really, really marginal penalty, mm -hmm. man. One of the most inadvertent, unlucky penalties I think I have ever seen. Even worse than an inadvertent handball, man, because, you know, with, with handballs, you can at least say, oh, the defender should have put his hands behind his back. With this one, you are literally asking the Saudi Arabian player to not have legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't run. Don't, don't run, run, bro. Yeah, don't participate in the game for yeah, a minute. It yeah. makes no it's sense. It's really tough. He wasn't even challenging the play. Yeah. He was just tracking back. And yes, he does step on the Omani player's foot. I understand that. But just completely out of context yep. it, within what was occurring in the play, it's just one of the harshest penalties I have ever seen. I guess from a textbook yep. interpretation, the referee made the right decision. But my goodness, what a harsh, harsh call. Yeah, I think that's. I think this is representative of probably the the weakest and worst side of VAR is yeah. that the the power of a freeze frame when it comes to VAR and how if you just stay put on that photo of him stepping on the back of his foot, obviously it looks like a foul, it looks like a penalty, so you call it, but it removes all the context that's needed to make the right decision. And so, yeah, once again, textbook penalty, but man, really tough to concede from a Saudi Arabian perspective and a, a fucking gift from an Omani perspective. An absolute gift because that was their game plan. That is always going to be Oman's game plan in the sense that get one one goal and then just defend even if it's nil nil very similar to syria oman's game plan is always defend first and then attack in transition and oman did just that man salah puts away the penalty it's one nil <laughs> so, <laughs> and omani salah I think what a game. two A's in, in his name. Yeah. It's a little bit different. What a game, A's. though. But yeah, he, he, he had, had a, game. a fantastic yeah. game. Him and Jamil were phenomenal in transition. That's one thing I'll give Oman's offense this game specifically is that they were so aggressive when they went forward, and they always seemed to have like an extra runner that would provide a little bit more relief when they were just looking to keep Saudi Arabia <laughs> Saudi Arabia away from possession. They did a really, really good job at that. But I mean, dude, for, for large portions of this game, it really was just Saudi Arabia 
sending in balls into the box and Oman just yeah. cutting them out. There was very little chances from a Saudi Arabian perspective, but again, it was just due to that really, really sturdy defense. Dude, that first half, yeah, it was all crosses from Saudi Arabia and really the only true opportunity they got was at the very end where the keeper, Al Mukaini had an insane save where Saudi Arabia had a clear-cut opportunity. Bad finishing, in my opinion, shooting it back straight to the goalkeeper, but still, what a moment. Outside of that, not much help for Saudi Arabia, and I do think ultimately Oman was deserving of the 1-0 lead going into the half because they worked for it, bro. This yeah. team was working so hard, and they were so cohesive on defense. You just knew, though, that it was going to take something special. It was going to take something outside of utilizing those wings and sending balls in to break this Oman defense, and it finally came when Saudi Arabia's quality showed and their depth showed with substitute Al-Garib comes in and has just a wonderful, beautiful drive into the box, a nice tucked-in finish. Who needs Messi in Saudi Arabia when you have Al-Gharib, bro? The little magician. What a beautiful, beautiful goal that gives Saudi Arabia the 1-1 tie and gives them that confidence to get back into this match. A dirty solo goal from Garib, ghosting past three Omani players and capped it off with a brilliant little finish to, to tuck it in the bottom corner. And Saudi Arabia equalized in that moment. And I think at that point they had like 15 minutes left, maybe 12 minutes left. And I was like, the second goal is going to come. Mm. I just You could just kind of feel it mm. because at that point, Saudi Arabia were uh, really applying the pressure to that Omani back line. And with the fans in the stadium, the noise that was generated, the momentum that Saudi Arabia was building, I was just like, it's going to be tough for Oman to keep this draw. It's going to be real, real tough. And finally, that moment came, bro. But my God, what a dramatic ending to this match with Abulehi yeah. scoring the goal off of a corner kick. Insane, insane moment. He goes off and he starts celebrating. But then the ref starts showing some uh, hesitation. He starts showing that maybe they need to review the offside line to see if it's a legal goal. And then you could see the replay. You could see there very clearly was onside. Yeah. The ref receives word for that. And then he has what I think ultimately ends up being a miscommunication, bro. Yeah. Because somehow Oman thought that the call was not offsides. Saudi Raven players started running back thinking that the call was that the goal didn't count. And then all of a sudden the ref is like, wait, guys, hold up. This is actually a goal. We got a goal here, folks. Celebrate. We got a goal here. And within five seconds, Abu Laki is blowing a fucking green balloon in the corner flag celebrating a goal because <laughs> Saudi Arabia has gone up 2-1. Saudi Arabia gets the lead in this match, but this whole controversy with the ref, or, or rather, this whole confusion with the ref was something I truly haven't seen before. I've never seen it because the thing is, I was with the Omani players because I think the ref did it in the wrong order. He did the signs in the wrong order. Usually... If the call is offside, you raise your hand. And he rose his hand first to say that it was not offside. So he was implying that no offsides goal. He did it in the wrong yeah, order, though. That, yeah. that was the problem. So I am actually completely understand why Oman got really confused. And the thing is, even the Saudi Arabian players started yep. to track back for like two seconds because they also, too, thought, oh, it's going to be called offside. So I think the referee had a little blunder here. Luckily, mm -hmm. though, no controversy because yes. it was onside. Yeah. What an ending, bro. What an ending to such a dramatic, like you said, tight match. Saudi Arabia wins this game 2-1. What's the big takeaway here? I think they deserved a win. I really do. I know you had mentioned that Oman had deserved the 1-0 lead, but I actually disagree. I think they got very fortunate to even take the lead in the first place. And even though, again, players like Jamil and Salah were really, really good and the defense was so disciplined, 
I just didn't see enough offensively for Oman. They were so vigorous going forward, but they had almost no midfield presence. And to me, you kind of have to have a, a good game plan offensively to earn a win. And I, I just don't think I just don't think they had it because, in my opinion, they actually didn't score a fair goal. Mm. Right. So for me, I think it's only made sense that Saudi Arabia won this game. I would have been cool with a draw. I, Oman deserved a draw. But I think Saudi Arabia went at it for 90 minutes. And in that case, I think they did deserve it. Now, the thing is, for Saudi Arabia specifically, slightly concerning that it took them till stoppage time to get the lead. Like, de- definitely. Now, obviously, it's against a very good defensive team. But when you look at all of the other top five teams in Asia, Saudi Arabia probably struggled the most. And if we're considering Saudi Arabia to be title contenders... Hopefully they take this as a lesson to maybe be a little bit more creative when you have a team that sits back or at least find different avenues rather than just send hopeful balls into the box. But And maybe Mancini needs to bring on players like Garib earlier mm, too. Maybe even start. Yeah, low-key. Yeah, maybe even maybe. start because he came in, what, in the 75th yep, minute? Real late. Did real, real late and within three minutes had a beautiful play. So maybe be a little bit more adventurous going forward. That's really the only criticism I can give Saudi Arabia because they were overall very good. I just need to see a little more if they want to make a deep run in this tournament. Yeah, I want to see second half Saudi Arabia for the rest of the tournament. Yeah. The, the way they turned it on, I thought I thought was so uh, drastic from how they played in that first half. But all in all, man, this was actually my favorite game of the tournament so far. My favorite game of the tournament really? because I like the tight margins. I like the goals that were needed to break those margins. And I love the atmosphere. I love yeah. seeing all that green in the stadium. The Saudi Arabians came out to support their team. A night match with that beautiful lighting, bro. This was my favorite game of the tournament. And so I'm actually going to give the first 8.0 rating of the tournament. I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Okay. 7.5. Yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a great game. Yeah. Really well contested. Yeah. All right, staying in Group F, we have Thailand facing off against Kyrgyzstan. Here's my newspaper headline for this match. Thai lands in first place in Group F with this victory over Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah like nice. The usage there, the Thailand gets a victory here 2-0 over what ended up being a really disappointing Kyrgyzstan side with Thailand really coming out and showing that they want to they want to make a statement here at this tournament getting two goals in this game and and showing some offensive fluidity that really surprised me coming from the Super Brothers up top. Yeah, Super Chai and Super Tan were fantastic today as you said really fluid going forward there was some really nice one-touch football going on mm-hmm. with thailand's offense really nice super chai getting the double yep and two you know like off the rebound goals but there were so many chances that thailand created truly i think this game should have been like three nil could have been four or five if thailand were on it they were a little bit wasteful also a little unlucky because they hit the post twice yep. in that first half but yeah they just completely hounded kyrgyzstan and that's that's another of my conclusions though is that Kyrgyzstan were really poor today. Oh, yeah. They were chasing shadows the entire time. Their best spell of the match was the last 15 minutes when they were already down 2-0 and Thailand were just kind of seeing the game out. This was one of the you know more one-sided games I think that we've seen here at the AFC Asian Cup just simply because Kyrgyzstan is probably one of the weaker teams here. And yeah. but, but to echo your sentiments here, Thailand surprised me. I wasn't expecting them to have... as tidy of a game in offense as they ended up having. Now, albeit Kyrgyzstan were very weak, but Thailand were very efficient and very effective going forward. If they can just keep that vibe, that energy going, 
they might have a decent chance to beat out Oman for a direct spot. Yeah, I, I think this game showed me that I got both these teams wrong in a sense because I had Kyrgyzstan finishing in third, Thailand in fourth. Thailand impressed me with their mentality going to this match, but then also the execution they had. It was very clear that they had a plan, and it went to it, it worked a hundred percent in this game. And for Kyrgyzstan, bro, they're just I, I overestimated them, bro. They're just too slow. They're oh, way yeah. too slow, bro. They yeah. can't even play up to the level of a Thailand. Imagine what's going to happen to them when they have to face off against Saudi Arabia or Oman, bro. They're going to get killed out there. Mm-hmm. This team is definitely one of the weaker teams in this tournament. I've learned that now. But more than anything, I'd like to just quickly make a remark here, bro. Toko Taev, the goalkeeper for Kyrgyzstan, what an absolute blunder on that first goal, bro. Long range shot from outside the box is coming in. It's a dangerous shot, sure, but it's at his, it's at his, it's at a good height. Oh, it's bad. He can man. he can comfortably punch that out. Maybe even catch it if he's if he's a really good keeper. He decides to go for the punch, but the way he booted that ball out with his hands was one of the weakest attempts I've ever seen, which ends up landing perfectly at Super Chai's feet, who's gonna kill you if you give him that opportunity. But that should not happen at all whatsoever from a shot from that far away, bro. Either you push it out to to a corner kick, to the to a fucking throw in, or outside of the box, but you don't you don't push it back into the fucking penalty area when it's coming from that far out, bro. I was very critical of the goalkeeper's ability in that situation because Man, if you just have a decent keeper back there, that, that doesn't happen, bro. Oh, dude, it was so poor. What really ticked me off about that is it was so far out and the sting on it honestly wasn't that much, bro. Mm-mm. Like, he, he hits it well, but I can understand if he has to parry it to the center if it's a rocket coming mm-hmm. at him. But no, it really wasn't. It was actually kind of a tame hit, in my opinion, which makes the blunder even worse. Yes, yes, 100%, bro. It's one of the worst things I've seen so far at this Asian Cup in terms of goalkeeping. But still, credit to Thailand because eventually they were going to score. They were yeah, going to score yeah, eventually, yeah. so it's not like a big deal in that sense. But Thailand came out with a plan, executed it, and looked absolutely incredible. And Super Chai gets himself a brace in this match. Rating for this one, match rating for this one, I'm going to give it a 6.4 simply because after the first half, it kind of died down. Kyrgyzstan didn't show much of a threat throughout the whole match that I think ended up lessening the competitiveness of the overall game. And so it was cool to see those Thailand offensive movements. Um, but there wasn't much else outside of that for me personally, so I'm going 6.4 on this one. Yeah, as I said before, this is one of the more one-sided games so far in round one of the group stage. So yeah, I'm going to go 6-5, but again, Thailand had a really awesome offensive display here. Unfortunately, just their opponent did not show up. Next up, we have Group E where we saw Jordan face off against Malaysia and win 4-0. Here's a newspaper headline for you. This felt like the 90s era of basketball because Jordan was fully in control. <laughs> I'm proud of that's that nice. one. That, that, that's nice. That's my favorite one. I'm proud of that's that one. That's my favorite one. 100%. <laughs> Jordan put on an absolute clinic in this match. Almardi and Altamari looking like an incredible duo. Doubles. Both of them getting a brace in this match. My goodness, some beautiful goals in this game, some beautiful offense from this Jordan team. And on the opposite side, Malaysia getting absolutely exposed with their attempt at uh, holding a high line in this game. Malaysia ends up getting blown out in this game while Jordan absolutely shines. Yeah, Jordan put on a professional performance here against Malaysia because from the get-go, they just 
had a plan and they executed it to near perfection. If there was spaces to exploit, fullbacks, for example, going way too forward for Malaysia, they put their winger right in that empty space and then they'd find a ball to him. And then at that point, Jordan's wingers, Almardi or Altamari, were so good in isolation, taking on the Malaysian defense one-on-one, half the time getting past them, burning past them. And then at that point, it was just pure chaos from a Malaysian defense perspective. And Jordan took full advantage. That first goal from Almardi, goal from outside the box, absolute banger. Curling it in, dipping right underneath the crossbar. Nothing the Malaysian keeper could do. And then, you know, Jordan get a penalty. They score another goal that ends up being called for offside or something like that. They still get their third goal. And then Altamari finishes it off in the second half with a nice little chip shot with an on-rushing goalkeeper. So 4-0 Jordan, a really good performance here. And they just didn't mess around against no, Malaysia. They no, just didn't mess at around. all. And I like seeing that. Yeah. Bro. I like seeing that a team like Jordan decided, you know what? We saw Japan, we saw South Korea make their game somewhat interesting for a little bit and allowing the opposing team to score. Jordan came into this match and said, you know what? We don't want to play with that at all. Let's just go into this game and get the result we want. And they did that 100%. We were a little low on Malaysia going to this tournament. We said they would get fourth and that ultimately we weren't buying into the hype of this Malaysian team. Do you think that ended up showing or do you think that Jordan is just too good of an opponent? Uh, No, I think this is more on Malaysia, to be completely honest. I had them, what, as one of the bottom three teams. Mm -hmm. Out of this performance, though, even looking at the performance that Kyrgyzstan put, I'm actually putting Malaysia as the worst team Mm -hmm. at the AFC Asian Cup. They also had the statistically worst performance, the only team to get beat by four goals in the group stage so far. So, yeah, I think Malaysia are just, you know, unfortunately not that good. Uh, when you pit them against very good teams like Jordan, let's not let's not discredit Jordan here because they were absolutely on fire uh, yeah. that in that night against Malaysia. Yeah, I, just, I, I saw a lot of people try to try to lure us into that conversation of Malaysia being able to be a dark horse threat, getting out of this group. Ultimately, we didn't buy in, bro. I just the 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 talent, the quality of that we see from both Jordan and we'll talk about soon Bahrain as well. They have individual players that I think are just really really good, good enough to get you out of this group. So my ultimate rating for this game. It's going to be a 6.3. I give it a 6.3 on this one. I enjoyed the goals, but once again, the low level of competitiveness just kind of derived me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, probably 6.3. I'll, I'll join you there, 6.3. The goals were awesome, but after 30 minutes, this game was over. Staying in this group, we have South Korea facing off against Bahrain, where South Korea won 3-1. to one. The headline for this one, I'm a little ashamed of this one. <laughs> South Korea... Rained goals on Bahrain. Okay. It's the best I could come uh, up with. It works. That's yeah, the best I could do. So many interesting moments from Bahrain that kind of foreshadowed their ability to get a goal against the mighty, mighty South Korea. And I think if you look at the first 20 minutes, you could see that Juan Antonio Pizzi's men through Bahrain actually had a really, really good game plan. Those first 10 minutes, I was actually highly, highly impressed with how Bahrain was approaching the match. Very compact, very defensive, but when they did get the ball, they utilized the class of the players, some that you already mentioned, Ali Madan, but their central midfielder alongside Moses, his name's Marhun, showed absolute class, calmness, and composure in the moments that he was able to get on the ball. His ball retention was excellent, and honestly, the South Koreans in those first 20 minutes were having a tough time on figuring out exactly how to attack this Bahraini side. And I, I was so, so impressed. Dude, it took South Korea 19. 
19 minutes to craft one genuine chance in Bahrain's box. 19 minutes. So those first 20 minutes, I was I was completely shocked and so impressed by how Bahrain was approaching the game. And if you're just glancing at the match, bro, if you're just glancing at it, you would have think that prime Neymar was on the pitch because Ali <laughs> Madan was turning Koreans on a dime, bro. On a dime. He alone, with just his handles, drew two yellow cards against the crowd South Koreans because they simply were playing him way too tight. And every time he turned him, they fouled him. Low-key, he probably caused like six or seven fouls in the first 40 minutes just by himself. His handles are elite, probably one of the better dribblers in the Middle East. When he's on it, Ali Madan had an excellent game. So Bahrain showed in those first 20 minutes that they're actually, they actually came here to not mess around and give South Korea a run for their money. But what I really liked about South Korea was their response after the first 20 minutes because it honestly it looked like they got pissed off. Because after that 20-minute mark, South Korea didn't let Bahrain get the ball anymore. They were getting way more aggressive in retrieving the ball, and they were getting way more chances in Bahrain's defensive third. And at that moment, when I saw the game shift, I was like, okay, this is the Korea that I wanted to see. We saw Japan kind of have a slow start in a similar way, I think Korea definitely had a slow start here because it took till the 20-25th minute for them to actually start imposing themselves on the Bahraini defense to where Bahrain couldn't do anything anymore. And then finally, in the 40th minute, as you said, Hwang Yin-bom gets that goal. And then I was like, ah, okay, this is now South Korea. This is that offensive team that we that we know so well and that we know can go on a deep run in this tournament. So going into halftime, I was like, ah, okay, you know what? Bahrain, 1-0 at halftime. I'm happy. They're going to lose this game 2-3-0. I'm, I'm cool with this. They, they gave what they could. So when they got that equalizer, I was like, oh, shit, let's go, man. We have a game. Because the, the same vigor that they showed in the first 10 minutes is exactly what they came out with at the beginning of the second half. Ali Madan tried a crazy bicycle kick attempt. A crazy <laughs> yeah. one, bro. The ball was like 15 feet in the air, and he tried to meet it. Oddly enough, it actually ends up being ends up turning into a shot on goal. The very next play, Al Hashash gets that equalizer. It's one one. And if I said that there was possibly a Bahraini Neymar on the pitch, the Korean Messi then took over in the second half. Kang In Lee said, looked at the scoreboard. He said one one. Nah nah nah. Yep. Not on my watch. Three minutes later, solo goal. One of the craziest curlers at this tournament so far. Bends outside the post, sneaks right inside. 2-1, Bahrain can't even enjoy their equalizer. And then at that point, South Korea completely oh, yeah. dominate yeah. for the rest of the second half with Lee Kong-in just being as dynamic as possible, creating or scoring another goal, actually. And honestly, could have had like two more assists yep. if Hyung Min Sun was just more on it today. Interesting, interesting performance from... Lee Kangin, bro, because seeing what he did to his Bahraini defense, his impact on the pitch, the ideas he had, and the way that he ultimately decided the match made me truly wonder, he, he's next up for South Korea then. He's next he's up. He's next up. And not only that, but Ming Sun is going to hand him the keys to the South Korean team for the next 10 years. Because the fact that Ming Sun, at the end of the day, wasn't as impactful, at the end of the day, wasn't able to have his goal or even, I think, get an assist in this match, it was Lee Kangen who steps up in his place to take over. 
That's a sign of the death that South Korea now has, no longer relying solely on Hyun Sun, but it's also a sign of the future. What an exciting, exciting player to yeah. have in your arsenal now if you're a South Korean fan because he's the future, bro. Yeah. He's the next thing up for you, balling out at PSG right now, having a really good season with Mallorca back-to-back times. Lee Kangin is on a crazy trajectory. And for me, this actually stood out as one of the best Lee Kangin performances I've ever seen because so many times with Mallorca, he would you know have a really good match, but they'd lose the game 3-2. They just were never good enough. Or he goes to PSG and there's just way too much talent to really be able to dissect how impactful Lee Kangin actually is. But with this South Korean side, the way he took the game into his own hands and the goals and the quality of goals that he scored... So high, so good. One of his best performances and an absolute statement here at the Asian Cup. I completely agree with your entire take on Lee Kangin, man. This was the match, this match against Bahrain, where I said, oh, wow, Lee Kangin is going to be the next guy for South Korea. Literally your words. I literally said the same exact thing after watching that game because the way he showed up for South Korea, the way he dictated the entire offense in that second half and even in parts in the first half I was like oh wow like this might be the next best player in Asia if he just continues on this insane trajectory that he's on but not just that the influence that he had getting Mm -hmm. two goals and then when he receives the ball out on the wing he can just take anybody on -on one-on-one but Lee Kang-in likes to drift inside too you give him the ball in the pocket he can turn you he can get past you really really quickly he can do one-two touch combination and he also is a really good finisher so Lee Kang-in right now has it all it's just up to him to continue to improve and as you said he'll do it right alongside basically his father figure <laughs> in young min son dude uh master class master class yeah. what that was a master class of a performance there ultimately ended up giving this game a seven out of ten seven out of ten for uh the fact that Bahrain was able to make it competitive and then it took a worldy from lee kagan to break the deadlock Seven out of ten for me. Yeah, I gave this one a seven point three. Okay. Seven point three. Okay. And the last game we have to recap is Indonesia versus Iraq, which saw Iraq win three to one. This game was actually really, really entertaining, man, because both teams start off the game just exchanging punches. <laughs> and both teams have their guard completely down. It was crazy. The first play of the game, Iraq start off on the right hand side. Baggett cleans out the Iraqi player, yellow card in the first 50 seconds. Yeah. It was insane. Iraq then send in the ball off that set piece and have a wide open header. Should have scored, honestly, but but didn't. And then Indonesia then take it all the way on the other side and hit the goddamn post. That was crazy. It was crazy. crazy. The next 15 minutes was probably the most end-to-end football so far in this AFC Asian Cup because they flew by, man. Like, I wasn't even on this plane of existence watching this game because one moment it was the second minute of the match, and then 15 minutes later... Iraq was taking the lead 1-0 through Mohanad Ali. A nice, beautiful drilled ball that cut open the middle of the Indonesian defense. But here's where that Indonesian defense just got really sloppy because they had two bites at the cherry and missed (laughs) both of them, bro. They missed missed both of them, man. And it's just, it's sloppy. Uh, Credit to Mohanad Ali for using his pace, for using his aggression to ultimately earn the ball at the end and he puts away a really nice finish but Mm -hmm. indonesia should have stopped that chance 
it's one nil. But what's crazy is that, dude, for the rest of the half, man, it truly just stays end to end. Indonesia settled down a little bit. Their defense does tighten up, thankfully, because if it, if it if it hadn't, Iraq would have had two, three goals before the half. Indonesia calmed down, and then we start to see what Indonesia is actually yes, about. Yeah. Because in those moments for the rest of the first half, we got to see the sheer pace and actually some really good footy of the Indonesian front three. It's what, Ferdinand on the left-hand mm-hmm. side, Sayedi on the right-hand side, and their striker Strauk. Strike streak, yeah. They were really good, man. Really good exchange. They have insane pace. Pace 99. And not only that, they actually play good football. Like, they try to play nice little one-two combinations. Ultimately, they end up getting the equalizer, though. And, dude, what a man. goal. Sayedi's going at full speed. Megs, the Iraqi defender, Megs him. Yep. Keeps going with one of the most aggressive dribble drives in this tournament. <laughs> Sends in a nice little low cross, and Marcelino yeah. Ferdinand is there to put it home. It's 1-1, and I, honestly, I was so impressed. Scenes, bro. Scenes all across the stadium with the Indonesians losing their minds. It was beautiful to see. That goal reminded me of uh, Vinny's goal uh, that was assisted by Valverde in the Champions League final. Coming from the right oh, side, yeah. drilled ball in, and at the very end, Marcelino was there this time to finish it off. Beautiful goal, man. And it was just a great showing overall. A great advert for what is the AFC Asian Cup with the potential these games have going back and back and forth, bro, back and forth. The craziness of the game continues, though, and we see seconds before the half is ended, Iraq gets a second goal, bro. A second goal that comes through once again what people could call a goalkeeping error where he punches the ball out right in stride to one of the offensive players, bro. We keep seeing that happen at this Asian Cup. It's the third time. It's the third time, bro. And that gives Iraq the lead 2-1 going into the half. Yeah, it... The play before that goal was honestly pretty chaotic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, there was controversy of offside. I don't think the Iraqi player touched it, so it's not offside. I'm cool with it. Indonesia actually get the ball back, lose it yeah. at the top of the box. It recycles over to the left hand side, and 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 this is where I just get a little disappointed with the Indonesian keeper because the shot is at an easy angle, and once again, there's no sting on it. Mm-mm. There's no sting on it. And But what does the Indonesian keeper do? He parries it right across his goal, begging to be scored on, begging. And well, that's exactly what happens because Iraq got a 2-1 lead right before the half. Yeah, and then I think that really switched up the mentality, the momentum of the match, and the second half overall because we saw, in my opinion, a different game in yeah. those last 45 minutes with Iraq getting a third goal through... Pure bully ball, bro. Bully ball in the box. Get big. Show your physicality, which I think was one of the strong suits of this Iraqi team because Indonesia does lack that physical nature to them. They're much more reliant on speed and pace. Iraq can showcase a little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both. And they tapped into that physicality with their sub that came in at striker, bullies his defensive opponent in the box, gets the ball, and it's a clean, beautiful finish to make it 3-1. From that point on, Iraq looks pretty much in control. But the takeaway from this game is really interesting, bro, because we've talked about Iraq going into this tournament as a potential dark horse candidate. A 3-1 victory to start off this tourney, I think, is really, really positive and just puts them perfectly in stride towards hopefully doing something important here at this tournament. Absolutely. It's the perfect way to start the tournament. But I'll be a little cynical here. I just need to see more from Iraq. I need to see them play Japan. I need to see see them play even Vietnam, see how they play against those opponents because... As we said kind of at the beginning of this analysis, 
the goals came from Indonesian pure mistakes, mm -hmm. right? Iraq was so adventurous going forward, using both physicality and pace. So they definitely earned these goals because they forced these errors. I just think that they forced errors that maybe a little bit more elite of a defender wouldn't be as prone to make. So Iraq earned their luck today and they finished their chances very, very well. But I, I need to see more from them because I really do wonder what happens when they play against a, a tight back line? What happens when they play against a team that actually can hold the ball in possession and attack them with a more possessive type of play? I'm wondering to see how Iraq will do. But again, the performance was really good because they showed a lot of energy and a lot of offensive prowess against Indonesia. Yeah, the next set of matches will give us our answers on this group with yeah. Group D, bro. It's going to be dope. Iraq facing off against Japan. So we'll figure out if our Iraq is for real as well as Japan. Can they handle a team like Iraq? And then Vietnam, Indonesia. Yes. Who is the worst team in this group? Let's figure that out. Now, exactly. Indonesia can prove us wrong or Vietnam could put on an absolute show. These next set of matches are going to be impeccable man yeah and i will say for indonesia in the preview i definitely marked them as you know one of the worst teams with kind of no hope i will say that this game proved to me that i was like actually there's actually a lot of hope in this indonesian side because their team is so young but not only that we already highlighted them sayeti ferdinand strike the midfielders ivar jenner and justin hubner they play the game right for, I think for Indonesia over the next four or five years, for them to be truly successful and become a solid mid-tier team in Asia, all they need to do, first off, develop that insane talent they already have. But then secondly, hopefully, get rid of the liabilities that exist in the defensive end. Because you're only as strong as your weakest link. Now, unfortunately for Indonesia, their weakest link is way too much of a liability to the point where I don't see them ever winning a game against a very competitive side. But if they fix those defensive pieces and just get a lot more sturdy and then they have a much more experienced offense that they already have, Indonesia might be a decent mid-tier side in Asia. And so I'll be really curious to see, first off, how they play against Vietnam. And then secondly, in the longer term, see how Indonesia develop in the next four or five years because they do have some really good raw talent. For this game, I'm going to 7.5 out of 10. 7.5 is my match rating for this game. This was my favorite game of the tournament, actually, just because it was so end-to-end -end for at least a good 60 minutes. And there was a point where I truly didn't know exactly who was going to was score. Was Iraq going to take an even bigger league or was Indonesia going to equalize again? There was that really cool moment of just uncertainty. I'm giving this one a 7.9. Damn, no eight? You won't give it the eight, bro? The, the Saltero eight? I would give it the eight if Indonesia just didn't make bad blunders, man. Did, did Japan Vietnam get an eight from you? I think it might have. I might have. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's just because the goals were insane and there's also six of them. And our standards were lower last time we shoot. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>